For those of you who have been here for the last four weeks, have you been enjoying this series? Good, getting a lot out of it. Have you been able to apply some of these principles to your life? A couple of you, that's awesome. I'll make sure I let Matt know. He needs to pick up his game with the next series. Um, But we've been talking about how we accomplish our purpose assignment by assignment or mission by mission. And when we walk out each assignment well, inevitably we will walk out our purpose well. And so over the last few weeks, we've been digging into how to identify our God-given purposes, like identifying a burden that God has placed on our heart. Um, Also how to start well, because wouldn't you agree that it is important to start anything well? If you get off on the wrong foot, then it kind of sets everything going in the wrong direction. Um, We've also spent time talking about principles to help us stay focused on the mission because distractions come, don't they, and things to derail us along the way. Um, And I hope that you've seen throughout this whole series so far the dependency on God and prayer and seeking his um, voice in this, from getting the burden to starting to keeping going to not tapping out. We have to rely on God to give us direction every step of the way. We don't ever get to a place where we're like, okay, God, I got it from here. You do. That's a little scary. Don't do that. Um, Make sure you're seeking God for every step. And so today we're going to talk about crossing the finish line. And it's going to be no different. We need God to help us to see how to cross the finish line well. And as I was thinking about this message and crossing the finish line, I kind of got a picture of this house. And as I saw the house, the foundation, it was strong foundation. It was good. It was deep. There was no cracks in the foundation. And then I went into the first level and it was beautiful. There was hardwood floors and there was an amazing paint job, no flaws. Like that was a master painter. You couldn't see any of those little, you know, things where they got on the ceiling and shouldn't have. Um, The appliances were all up-to-date, upgraded appliances. You know they can do all kinds of stuff that you can never figure out what they can do. You know, I had a a stove one time, and it's not even all that new. And it was five years into my house, and my mother-in-law came and was like, oh, don't you see that you can set time to cook? And I'm like, ovens do that? I didn't know ovens do that. So these appliances, they're like top-of-the-line appliances. And just room by room, closet by closet, everywhere you go, you're just amazed. You're just like, oh my goodness, I didn't know people could build things like that. And then you come to the staircase and you walk up the stairs and you see some like used indoor-outdoor carpet. And like you're like an eight-year-old probably painted it up here. What happened? The windows are a little crooked. You know, you see some cracks in them along the way. What just happened to your view of the house? I mean, you're walking in the first floor and you're like, wow, I could live there. And then you get upstairs and you're like, eh, maybe not so much. That's what happens when we don't finish well. We can get off on a good start and we can get going and and we can gain a lot of momentum. But if we don't finish well, it kind of taints the view of everything that we've done to that point. And so today, I want to talk about finishing well. So before we get in to the message today, let's pray. Dear Father God, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in this house. Lord, I thank you that you have a purpose that's so big for us that we can't figure it out in one moment or even in years. We'll spend our whole lifetime figuring out the purpose that you have for us. But God, that mission by mission and step by step, you lead us to be able to accomplish that. 
And so, Father, I pray today that you would help us to see how to finish well, that you would help us to stop and to be able to glean things from your word today so that we can accomplish these missions and make a great impact for you. But God, I hope above everything that we see you today because there's no mission, there's no purpose, there's nothing that's worth it if you aren't seen and glorified. And so we invite you here with us. We invite you to speak to us. Help us to open our hearts so that we can hear you and that we can see you, Lord God. We just thank you and praise you and glorify you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, So like I was saying, the way we finish is just as important as the way we start. In fact, oftentimes our endings are actually the beginnings of the next thing. Have you ever been there? It's like it's kind of like blurs together, the end of one thing into the beginning of the next. And so if we don't finish that well, sometimes we are actually not starting the next thing well. And so the verses in Nehemiah, they talk about the completion of the wall that also seems to indicate a pivot point there as they're moving into another season. And the walls were up and the cities were fortified and the people began to envision new possibilities of what can happen. And it made me think of the transition that we had from being a campus of another church into being a church of our own. And some of you may have heard some of this story, but for those of you that haven't, in 2014, we launched out of a church in Fenton, Missouri as a campus. And that's really all we ever intended to be. We thought we were campus planners. And so we began to build up this campus under the vision of that house and under the leadership of that house. Well, in about mid-2015, they came to us and they said leadership was changing, some things were changing in the organization, and they were going to be shutting the campuses down. But they said, we want you to seek and pray because we see that God is doing something there in Waterloo. Where do you feel God is leading you? And so after a season of praying and God really confirming that we were called to be here, we began a transition process, transitioning from a campus to an independent church, transitioning from an employee uh, under leadership to being the senior pastors of a church. And there was this whole period of time that we had to choose how we were going to walk it out. And we had to choose, are we going to hurry up and get things done at the old church so we can move on? Are we going to cut some corners and just get things done quickly so that we can move into the next season? Or are we going to give that our all and give that our best so that where we leave it is in the absolute best place that we could? And thankfully, we had been through transitions in the past, did it the wrong way, learned a lot from it. And so when we got to this transition, that's how we did it. And we've seen the blessing and the favor of God throughout history as a church because of the relationships that we built, because of the, the, um, uh, just the favor that we had with that church, the way that they supported us and strengthened us into this place and that we can still call on them today. In fact, several of them still serve on our board today because we didn't cut corners, because we didn't transition you know, in a wrong way. We did it in a way that was honoring to God and he has been able to use that all throughout our history. And so today we're going to talk about some principles that we can apply to help us cross that finish line well. The first one is to know the wind, to know the wind. The walls um, spoken of in Nehemiah, they were completed in 52 days. That was a miraculous uh, work by most theologians. It reveals the possibilities when we listen and obey the voice of God. And when we trust him and lean into him, 
Do you know that if we obey God and we are in alignment with his will, God will work miracles through you. God will set you up to do things that can't happen by your own hands. Amen. And so we learn through this series that we must have clarity and focus through the process. We must lean into the voice of God that we don't get distracted by ancillary things. And so another thing that we really need to have focus on is the finish line. We have to define that win. In Nehemiah 6, verses 15 and 16, it says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this was a work that was done by our God. Did you see that right there? Nehemiah was defining the win. He could have described it in a bunch of different ways. Like he could have said, my great vision is what the win was because it was accomplished. Or he could have said, my people who learned how to build well and who did it so quickly, like that was the win. Or he could have said the leadership in this country, like they gave a lot of great direction. But really that wasn't the win. The win was that the enemies of God saw that God was for this people. The enemies realized that they couldn't stop the work of God. They realized that all their efforts that they put into it, that there was no way that they could stop what God was doing. Do you remember the burden from week one? The, the, the reason why Nehemiah set out to do this in the first place, it was because he saw God's people were in distress and reproach. See, the finish line for Nehemiah wasn't his great leadership or the walls being built. It was the stress and the reproach of God's people being removed. And that happened because everyone around them that was putting pressure on them, everyone around them that saw them as pathetic and weak saw not anymore because God is on their side. And that was the win. This makes me think of homeschooling. Not you? Okay, I'll explain. Uh, homeschooling is one of the places where I feel like I have to define the win often. One of the things I love about homeschooling is that you can do it a thousand different ways. I'm learning new ways constantly of how you can homeschool, which is awesome because anybody really could do it, but it's a little overwhelming for someone like me who's like, can you kind of just tell me how to do it and I'm going to follow it so that I can get it done. I'm a get it done kind of person. Um, and so each year I have to pray about it and figure out what is the win for us this year? See, because for our family, the win really isn't great grades or learning geometry or, you know, whatever. Our win is learning how to learn well, learning how to enjoy learning, and learning how to see everything that God has done through the view of God's eyes. But there are moments when we get that D or that geometry is really a struggle. And I have to come back and I have to remind myself, what is the win? And so when I get to the end of the year, if the grades aren't where they could have been, or maybe the year was a bit of a struggle, or we didn't accomplish everything I hoped to accomplish, I have to say, wait, 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 was the goal to accomplish everything or great grades, or was the goal that we learned to enjoy learning? Was the goal that they learned how to learn better? And if we get to the end of the year and we've accomplished that, then we've won. Do you know what the win is for the mission that you're on right now? Without defining the win, we can either quit too early or we can hang on too long. 
Once the walls were built and the gates were hung, there was no reason to keep building. No need to have walls that are twice as high as what they need to be, right? Two coats of paint on a house is good enough. Does anybody want to paint every weekend? No, we want to paint until it's done and then move on. Ecclesiastes says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. And if that's true, then the reverse of that must be true. That if we are out of season, then it's not going to be beautiful. It's going to be more like frustrating, painful, a struggle. People stay in a season for lots of different reasons, and maybe you can relate. People stay in a season because it's comfortable, or it's familiar, yeah, or there's a fear of what lies ahead, and you don't want to move out into that place. But I think sometimes people also stay in a season because they just don't know it's over. They just don't know that the season has ended. And so if you don't know where that win is in the season that you're in, I just want to encourage you, go back to the burden. Why did you start that thing? Why are you doing what you're doing right now? And if you get clarity once again on that burden, then ask God to reveal the win. Because God's a God of clarity. God wants you to know the win. He doesn't want you hanging on in a season too long or quitting too early or getting too comfortable that you don't move past that. And so if you don't know where that win is, ask God. He has the answer and he is waiting to give it to you. Another thing that we need to do to cross the finish line well is we need to celebrate the victory. You guys often celebrate the victories of what God has done. We seem to be a culture that's go, go, go. Move right past it. Keep going. After the wall was complete, the children of Israel stopped to celebrate. A mighty work had just been completed, and before moving past it quickly, they took a pause. And in this pause or celebration, they did several things that helped them to finish well. And so I want to talk to you about several things that they did to celebrate. And the first thing was that they gave God glory. If we read in Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 6, it says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men, women, and all who were able to understand. All who were able to understand. This is children and youth. They were all standing there, and this is important for what we're going to read next. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon. That was like six hours. So for six hours, men, women, and children who could understand stood and listened to the voice of God. And it says, as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of them and others who could understand, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on the right stood a bunch of people, and on the left, a bunch of other people. You want to read their names? Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. And listen here in verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They were realizing God did an amazing 
work. God is a great God. It's probably been a while since these people had stopped and really paid attention to how good God is and all the things that God did. And so in this moment, they came together as one and they were giving God glory for what he did. There was an acknowledgement that God needed to be the focal point of their lives and that he deserved the glory for the accomplishment of the walls being built. We need to have the attitude that's described in Hebrews 13, 21, that it's God who makes you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Everything you do is empowered by God. Everything you do is empowered by God. And so he deserves the glory for every accomplishment, every, you know, great thing that you happen, every, like, acknowledgement from people. He deserves the glory for all of that. As we allow our hearts and our minds to acknowledge what God just did and praise him for it, it helps us do several things. It helps us gain a deeper understanding of our dependency on him. And let me just tell you, you are 100% dependent on God, whether you recognize it or not. He holds every breath. At any moment, he can stop our breath. And so the problem is, is oftentimes we don't realize that. But when we stop and we give him glory, we realize, man, I really rely on God for a lot more that I, than I think about on a daily basis. It also helps us to see his goodness. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws us to himself. We need to ponder on his goodness because it causes us to press into him. And that's the place we need to be for every direction, all the vision for every mission that we're called to accomplish. Paul says in Romans, he makes this all-encompassing statement. He says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory. Everything. Everything is about Jesus. See, sometimes we think our mission and our purpose is for us to grow. Sometimes we think our mission and purpose is for others. And not that it's not, but really the number one reason is for God. Everything we're called to do is to bring him glory, first and foremost. The wall was being built for Jesus to be glorified. The enemies of God's people were being stopped for Jesus to be glorified. The Israelites were delivered from their reproach so that the God of the Israelites may be glorified. Our pastor, Pastor Rick, he would teach us, and I'm so grateful for, that every time there's a moment to stop and return the glory to God, he was teaching us about the cycle of glory. And the Bible tells us that everything has a glory. Everything that God created has a glory. But our job is to take that and return that glory back to him. So when co someone comes and says, man, you are amazing. You accomplished that thing. Thank you. And then you go and you say, God, thank you for what you did in me. Thank you for making me more than who I am. Thank you for allowing them to see it. Thank you for using it to impact their life. Because the reason it meant something to them is not because of what I said. It's because God imparted something and gave revelation to them. So every good thing that you do, we should step back and say, God, be glorified for it. God, thank you for allowing me to partner with you for it. Has God done something for you? that you need to stop and give him glory for. It's never too late. And I just want to encourage you as you leave here today, one takeaway is just as you're driving home, you know what, God, thank you for all the things that you've done in my life. Thank you for the ways that you've used me. I give you glory for those things. Another way to celebrate is to say la. 
Psalm 24.10 says, Who is this King of glory, the Lord of hosts? He is the King of glory, Selah. Selah, it has several different meanings, but the one I'm going to use for this one is that it's a break or a pause for reflection. Many times we kind of rush off to the next thing and we don't pause. We don't stop. We don't think. You know that there's leaders that have taught us that it's important to schedule in thinking time. Do you do that? Or do you ever find yourself in a place where I don't even have time to think? That's too busy. That's too busy. We need to stop and we need to be able to reflect and to think before we move on to the next thing. God intends for our lives to be full of enjoyment, full of fulfillment. And he calls us to partner with him on this adventure. But we don't experience that if we're always on the go and we're always rushing off to the next thing. In Nehemiah 8, verses 17 and 18, we see the people of Israel say la and celebrate. It says the whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. What they're talking about here is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Shelters. It says from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this. And look here, it says, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read the book of the law of God, and they celebrated the festival for seven days. On the eighth day, there was an assembly. Let me say it another way. They had not experienced joy like this in a really long time. They maybe had moments. They maybe had glimpses of joy, things that made them happy here and there. But this spending time in joy, being filled with joy hadn't happened for the Israelites in a long time. But this festival was written in the book of the law. It was something that was meant to be celebrated on a regular basis, and it's not the only festival that they were called to celebrate. So that means God has regular celebration moments planned for us, regular periods for us to stop, to rest, to reflect, and to be filled with joy for what God has done. Each stage of the assignment has purpose, blessing, and benefit. And what we see here is that the celebration is just as important as the burden, just as important as starting well, and it's a big significant part of finishing well. And so if we miss that, then we're missing the fullness of what God wants to do in a mission. Let me ask you this today. Has it been a long time? since you've experienced that fullness of joy. Maybe you've had some smiles, some laughs along the way. You've, you've had a happy moment. But if you're honest with yourself, you're like, it's been a while since I've just really been full of joy. Let me just tell you that that's not God's plan or purpose for you. And Jesus is the answer to that. Because the Bible says that it's in his presence there is fullness of joy. And in his presence, we find that when we're still and we know. Be still and know. And when we do that, we find the fullness of the presence of God that fills us with joy. At the end of this message, we're going to take a time and worship like we always do. But I just want to prepare you. If that's you and you're in that place and you're like, man, I haven't experienced joy for a while. And we've been in a season. So I don't blame you if you haven't been. But if you haven't there, just start to surrender your heart to God and say, God, I need that. Because I know our God. He, like Pastor Guy said, you're here for a reason. 
whether you're new or you've been coming since the beginning, you're here in this seat, in this moment for a reason. And you're hearing this message on purpose. And God has a plan to set you free from the things that are weighing you down and fill you with joy if you'll let him. Amen. And the next thing we do or that the Israelites did in celebrating is they made memorials. In the book of Joshua, it teaches us that um, the Israelites went and they crossed the Jordan River miraculously. God parted the, you know, the Jordan River. We all hear that God parted the Red Sea, but he parted the Jordan River too. You know, it happened more than once. Um, and in the middle of that, Joshua said, hold on, before it closes back, grab 12 stones out of the middle of that river and bring them over here. We're going to make a memorial. And this is why. In verse 6, it says that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask in the name in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. This point right here has really been resonating with me for a long time. And I feel like God's just bringing it up and bringing it up. We were in an event last night and two nights ago, and I felt like, you know, the whole message was about this thing of making memorials and, and declaring what God has done. Because we live in a culture today that is trying to remove or rewrite the memorials of the history of our nation of what God has done. And what's going to happen if we allow that and we don't speak up and we don't declare what God has done is that our children and the generations after that, they're going to repeat the same mountains. They're going to cycle through the same things. The battles, they're not going to be built off of what was once won because they don't even know that they were won. And I'm not talking about just our battles. It's going to be a sad thing if the generations before us are repeating the battles that were once won at the beginning of our nation's history because it's not being declared and it's not being told. We are supposed to speak and tell people and declare and stake things in the ground of the next generation so that when they come up against something, they can say, well, if God did that for mom, he can do it for me. If God did that for grandpa, he can do it for me. Man, if God did that for some guy named George Washington that had funny hair and I don't even really know much about, then why can't he do it for me? But if they don't know, then when they come to that battle, they're going to be like, God who? I mean, I heard that God was powerful, but I see no evidence. I see no sign. That's what the Bible is. The, the majority of it is stories of people like you and me, that God showed up for in a big and mighty way. And it's written in this book so that you and I can say, if God did it for Joshua, then he can do it for me. If God parted the Red Sea and then again parted the Jordan River, why can't he part what's in front of me today? Amen. Is there, <laughs> thank you. As the assignment here at this building is coming to an end, this is what Matt and I have been doing a lot of. We've been spending a lot of time saying, man, God has done so much in the short six years that we've been here. There, there's things that we've told you and stories that we've told you, but there's stories that we haven't because there's so many. And the reality is, is there's stories that we don't even know. I mean, after first service, I was talking to people who were coming up and telling me stories of how they got here and what God's done that I didn't even know. And so as we're spending time talking about this, I'm trying to write it down of how God 
you know, gave us favor to buy this building. And if you heard the whole story of how that conversation even started, Matt just kind of threw a thing out there to the pastor of the church before us. And he said, actually, we are interested in selling the building. He's like, really? Well, that's funny. The way that they gave it to us for what they owed on it. And then just a year and a half later, it was paid off completely. And so we're standing here today saying, if God could pay off this building, why can't he pay off the next building? If God miraculously provided then, why can't he miraculously provide now? And so we're building from faith to faith because we're seeing God move in our life. Is there a celebration that you need to do? Is there a season that you just blew past and you didn't take time to give God glory and to make a memorial and to write it down so that you can declare it to the generations coming after you? It's not too late. It's not too late. You can celebrate now, even in seasons past, and return that glory to God and, and write that memorial down or put a stake in the ground. I was talking to someone, and this building will forever be a memorial to my kids because our kids watched it. They, they saw the prayers. They saw us hope. They saw us stand and believe God. You, you've seen it happen, but they saw us in that moment of faith believing that God is going to show up. And so every time they drive by this building for generations to come, they're going to say, man, God showed up in a big way for two people that thought they were just campus pastors, that felt like they just kind of fell into this thing, but they believed God. What do you need to celebrate today? And the last point is lessons for the future. Each mission or assignment is a training ground for us. There's lessons to learn, skills to be developed that we need before moving on to the next thing. It's kind of like algebra. Algebra, you have to learn the lesson before, before you can move on to the next thing. Unless maybe you're a genius or Robert Feeney. But for people like me, you have to learn the lesson before, before you move on to the next thing. Because if I don't learn how to foil, then whatever that poly something after that, I am just not going to be able to get because it's part of the process. And our walk with God is much like that, that we can't move on to the next thing until we've learned all the lessons needed on the assignment that we're in now. And that's God's mercy. Because if we're not equipped for where we're going into in the next season, it could crush us. And the Bible says that God is equipping us for every good work that he calls us to. So in the assignment that you're in right now, he is equipping you for what's next. And he's not going to let you move into the next season ill-prepared because he loves you too much. And he doesn't want to see you crushed. Psalm 25, verse 4 through 5 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. The Lord's purpose for each mission is to teach us, to show us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to equip us, and to prepare us. Failure is a lesson. Mistakes are a lesson. Successes are a lesson. And I feel like in our culture that we see failure as a horrible thing or an ending thing, and that's not the case with God. Failure is just a step. Sometimes failure is the best way to learn. 
Because then you see that is not how you're supposed to do it. Like that, we just remove that entire thing, avoid that, and try again. We need to see failure as part of the process and a lesson. In Nehemiah chapters 8 through 9, we see that after reading the law, the people's eyes were opened to how they had drifted away from God and his ways. The rebuilding of the wall, it set the stage for people to see God in a way that they had not seen him or heard him in a long time. And after hearing him and hearing the word and celebrating and doing all of that, they committed to never go back to the way they were before. And because they knew if they did, it would end the same way, ruins and destruction. And so they were gleaning and they were growing and they were learning and they were going to pass that on to the generations after them so that they never repeated the same mistakes. We learn valuable lessons in our experiences of walking with God that adds on to us. It's a building process. So what we learn in this lesson, we're going to learn that lesson again in a new level in the next lesson. Our faith will be stretched in this season, and in the next season, it's going to be stretched further. Our wisdom is going to be strengthened in this season, and we're going to get to the next one, and there's going to be a whole lot that we don't know and a whole lot that we have to learn so our wisdom continues to grow because God's continuing to develop us along the way. It reminds me of um, through my teens, 20s, possibly into my 30s, I really battled fear. Fear of a lot of things, but this particular thing was fear of the dark. And I know it's really embarrassing and really sad um, that a 20, 30-year-old woman was afraid of the dark, but I was. And I was brought up in church, and I prayed about it, and I knew the word, and I knew that God could take it away, and I knew that it was a spirit, but it never seemed to really work. But as I grew and I developed and the word of God got stronger in me and every time I prayed and every time I got more determined that I was not gonna live my life that way and I was gonna overcome this thing, I remember the moment that I stood in my bedroom and Matt was out of town hunting because it was always when it was the worst. My kids were little so they definitely could not save me and so I was standing there alone and I was getting ready to run as fast as I could to turn off the light and jump in my bed because you know you're safe under the covers. In, feet tucked in, under the covers, safe from whatever that scary thing is out there. And I go to do that and I stopped and I said, that's enough. It's enough. I'm not dealing with this thing anymore. It's not going to have its way over me anymore. And I stood there and I rebuked that thing in Jesus' name. There was an authority that came out of me in a completely different way. And I felt fear leave. And then I said, hi, got you. You will never be able to do that to me again because now I know. God could have taken that away at any of those prayers, at any of those prayers. But most of those prayers, what they were is me snuggled up next to Matt, tucked under the covers, God, please take away fear. They were timid, weak prayers. And God will answer those sometimes. Sometimes that's the step that we need to take. But in this moment, what God did is he taught me how to battle on a spiritual level. And about two years ago, one of my daughters came to me and she told me that she had been battling fear for a few days. And she was explaining to me that she was kind of afraid of the dark and it was really attacking her. And because of what I learned, I sat there and I told her, listen, baby, this is what it is. And I explained to her that we battle on a spiritual level. And I gave her scriptures to stand on. And I prayed for her. And I took her to those stairs because their bedroom's up there. And I said, now you go up there and you fight that thing. You go up there and you fight that thing. She came down the next morning and she said, dealt with that thing. Done. 
doesn't, not tormenting me anymore. But since then, what has happened is that God wakes her up in the middle of the night. He places things on her heart. She has battled for friends. She has battled for herself. She's battled for her siblings. She's seen God move after nights of prayer like that and God do a work in someone's life because she learned how to battle. She built off of the lesson that God had taught me that day when I was 30-ish years old and finally dealt with fear in my life. That's why God didn't take it away when it was a weak, timid prayer because he knew years later there was gonna be a girl that was gonna walk in the power and authority of who she knew God had called her to be and in the name of Jesus and she was gonna be able to do battle for not just herself but for the people around her. That's our God. That's why we need to learn the lessons that we're called to learn. What lessons can you learn from the assignments that you're in right now? What's stretching you? What's growing you? What uncomfortable situation are you in that you can really learn from that maybe God's wanting to do a work in you for? What are you battling that maybe God's trying to grow you in your strength? He's trying to teach you how to battle so that you can pass that on to someone else who's going to need it in a whole other way in the future. God has a purpose for our life, and it's so much bigger than we can see or even fully know right now. What I thought my purpose looked like 20 years ago is so different than what I see right now. And if I'm still here 20 years from now, what it's going to look like then I know is going to be so much greater and so much different. So as I close, I want to leave you with this, with this thought. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all of those who loved his appearing. This is an incredible statement that Paul said as he's pivoting from his mortal life into eternity. He's crossing that finish line and he's looking back and he's saying, I did a good job. I did a good job. But I want to ask, how many of you today say that you look back at your life and you're like, I did a good job? Because oftentimes when I talk to people, that's not the way they see their life. If it was to end today, I would say, I don't even know if I'm going to hear those words. Most theologians said that Paul completed three missionary journeys. Maybe there was a fourth. Um, and my point is this, that a man who carried out all these assignments for decades, from city to city, person to person, he didn't do it without failure. He didn't do it without mistakes. He lived from faith to faith, and that has a lot to do with hearing those words at the end of your life. So please hear this. What God is saying is he's not looking for men and women that are perfect. He's looking for men and women of faith. And I think there's people that really, really need to hear that today because you hear a message like this and you're like, man, I'm in my middle years or my later years and there's a whole lot of mess-ups, a whole lot of assignments that I didn't complete well or that I quit or whatever. Am I going to hear those words? Yes, you can. All you have to do is surrender to God. All you have to do is lay all of that at his feet and say, God, today I'm going to start again. Just like a toddler walking, learning how to walk. Get back up and start again. Lean into God again. What's my burden today? Where do you want to use me today? I'm going to have faith, God, that you're going to take all of that 
in my past, and you're going to use it for a mighty work in the future because you're a restorative God. You're a good God. You're a God that works all things out for good. You are a God who is the author and finisher of my faith. And if I will just lean into you and give it to you, that you are going to take my life with whatever that looks like and whatever that means, and you are going to be able to use it so that at my last day, I can say, and he, or I can hear the words, well done, well done. So I want to ask you guys to close your eyes with me today and bow your heads. And there's two things that I really felt like God was just laying on my heart for the people that they were dealing with. And one is what I was just talking about, shame. That you just feel shame and guilt for maybe the way you've walked out certain things in your life. It didn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. Maybe you gave up or maybe you tried your best and it fell apart and you've just been, could I have done things differently? I probably should have done things differently. And there's a weight of shame that you've been walking under. And I just want to tell you that is absolutely not God. God does not lay shame and condemnation on his children. And what God wants to do is he wants to set you free from those lies that you believe. He wants to break them off of you and speak truth to you and tell you who you are and tell you that you are his. And so I just want to pray for anyone who's dealing with shame today so that you can walk out of here free because that thing weighs you down. And the other thing is, like I talked about earlier, those who just haven't experienced the joy of the Lord, that fullness of joy, because I believe God is wanting to release joy in the hearts of people that have been weighed down, that have been going so long, that the weight of the world has been pressing in and they just haven't seemed to be able to have joy. I remember a season in my life where it felt like joy just always slipped through my fingers and I just couldn't keep hold of it. And maybe I'd experienced a little bit and it just felt like I just couldn't maintain it. God set me free from that thing and he can set you free from that as well. And so as we move on, if that's you, if you need to be filled with joy or if you are battling shame, if you could just pop your hand up really quick so I know who I'm praying for. I see your hand. I see your hand all over this place. If that's you, I see your hand. I see your hand. God is not going to leave you in this place. He will meet you exactly where you are. And he's going to set you free. So as I pray this prayer, you need to surrender and you need to accept it and believe it because God will not force himself on you. He will not push, but he's saying, if you just give it to me, you give me all those failures, you give me all that shame, and I'm going to take that thing up and I'm going to give you my burden that is light. And he's here to release joy in this house. So Father God, I just pray today for all of those who raise their hand, Lord God, you know their situations you know what they're dealing with, Lord God. You know every lie that the enemy has caused them to believe. And so I come and I just come against shame. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I pray that those lies would be broken off of each and every mind in Jesus' name, that you would fill them with the truth of your word. Lord God, that you would whisper to their souls that they are a child of God, that you chose them and you chose them for the mission and the purpose. You chose them to be the parent. You chose them to be the grandparent. You chose them to be in that job, Lord God, that where you have led them is where you chose them to be, but they don't have to do it alone, that you are gonna equip them 
and empower them, Lord God. And so every lie that the enemy has caused them to believe, I pray that it would be broken in Jesus' name and they would be set free. And Father God, when the enemy comes back to try to attack, Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice louder than the voice of the enemy, that they would hear your truth, that you would remind them of scripture, you would remind them of the words, you would remind them of the encouragement that your brothers and sisters have shared with them, Lord God, and that that will speak louder than the lie of the enemy. And Father, for all of those that have not experienced joy, that have been walking around with that heaviness, Lord God, I just pray that they would release it all in Jesus' name, that they would let it go, that you would fill them with joy, that you would open up opportunity for them to spend time in your presence, Lord God. And as they get before you, Father, in your presence is fullness of joy. And so, Father God, I just pray that joy would begin to bubble up in their soul. It would continue throughout the day and in the days to come, Lord God, that all of those places that have been barren, that they would have life again because the joy of the Lord is filling those places. We thank you, Father God, that you are the God that sees that you are the God that hears and that you are a God that works all things out so that we can come to a place of freedom in you. Thank you for our purpose and the assignments that you have for us, Lord God. And thank you that you are helping us walk to a place to where at the end of our life, we hear well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just invite you to stand to your feet today. In church, I believe God did a big work in the hearts of many people today. And so as we worship and go out of here, celebrate, worship God, forget about everybody else and everything else that's going on and what you have to do after this and just celebrate what God has done and is doing in you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's build off that joy. This joy in the morning is bringing up
Amen. You're just